As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Moo. Hey gang, how are you? Black Friday is here. Happy Black Friday to those who celebrate. Kevin Goatee here. It's time for a hot new episode of Gutting the Sacred Cow. This week we've got Bradford Ullman from Slash Film and he's going to do Dr. No. So dust off all of your terrible Sean Connery accents and get ready to see if Bradford can take down the first James Bond film of all time. Joining me as co-host, old reliable himself, A.C. Rowe. Love that dude. So strap in. Let's see if Bradford Oman can take down the, uh, the genesis of the James Bond franchise here on Gutting the Sacred Cow, the best movie review slash movie debate podcast out there. And please leave us that five-star rating, two or three-sentence review on your podcast platform of choice. You know we love it. And I love screenshotting my favorite reviews and posting them. Without further ado, let's hear about Bradford hating Dr. No. Gather around, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. Bye, Felicia. AC Rowe, guest host again. How are you, pal? Name. I'm. Film. Bye, Felicia. How many movies has it been? That was originally, it's like Boys in the Hood or something like that, right? No? Friday. Friday is correct. So I was about to jump over to our guest, Brad Oman. Brad, how you doing, man? What's new and exciting? Uh, not much. You know, just working, trying not to die, and that's pretty much it. What are you? What are you living? Are you in? Are you right now over in uh, in Russia fighting armed forces with the Ukraines or trying seems, not to die? It's pretty drastic. It's it's mostly just you know um, life every day, just you know existing. <laughs> oh. Is there a high probability of death where you are, and do we need to send help? 
Gosh, I mean, you know, considering how much ranch we have here in Indiana, like that's that's probably a pretty big risk, especially heart attack, high cholesterol. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff, you know. I was gonna say, are you gonna be part of a hunting accident anytime soon? That would be. Gosh, I hope not. <laughs> oh, that'd be my. Make, make sure you wear orange. Don't wear orange. Don't, don't wear the brown and the, it looks like brown or green you're wearing. That's bad camouflage colors. Kevin Goatee, AC Road, joined by Brad Oman, gutting the sacred cow, folks. We're so glad you decided to join us yet again. And since you are joining us, if you have not yet done so, if you're a new listener, please leave us that five-star rating, two or three-sentence review. Brad has joined us to take down, uh, as you hear this, this will be the second James Bond film done on this podcast, and he went right for the OG Dr. No. A budget of 1962 of a million bucks, a box office gross of $59.5 million, turned that into 2022 money, I did. Nine million dollar budget, five hundred and forty point two million dollar gross. What I could do with nine million dollars right now would not. I mean, what they did with nine million dollars, the equivalent in that film, mm-hmm. actually impresses the hell out of me. I would have thought uh, it would have been a lot higher. You know, what they didn't spend the money on talent, fight choreography. No, they did not spend the money on fight choreography. They didn't spend the money on the set either. Those red stripe boxes were completely empty. Oh, you shut your mouth. That's in my notes too. Oh, you love me. I was so bad, but it did make me think of the old red stripe commercials, right. which are probably problematic, but boo, scary foot doctor. Yay, red stripe. You remember those commercials? I don't actually, but okay. I'll send you a link. <laughs> IMDB, as we know, is a scale one through 10 with decimal points. We're going to go to our guest. Brad, what do you think? IMDB has for Dr. No. Uh, I'm going to take a guess and say 7.2. AC row. I'm going to say a guess because I, uh, I'm going to say a guess of eight, but I've got another guess because I like to, to take my guess and, and then I like to go check it. And I'm going to guess that Brad has actually been on IMDB today. Yes, I think so too. Because it's seven point two on the nose. No, holy shit! I, I genuinely, I, I've been on the Wikipedia page for this movie. I did not look at the IMDb. That's insane. <laughs> uh, someone is the winner of two showcases. AC row under suspect circumstances. Yes, I, I think we're going to have to challenge. <laughs> Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes, boys. It's a one through one hundred scale. I'm going to go to my uh, co-host AC row. What do you think Rotten Tomatoes has for the critics score gonna, of Doctor No? I'm going to guess it was like 86, 87, 87. 87. Brad, what do you have for the critics? Now, this one I will say I do know from looking up stuff today because I believe it's 95%. You should just say I recuse myself. But, yes, sir, you are correct. It is 95% of Rotten Tomatoes. Do you know what the audience score is, yes or no? No, I don't remember that one. We will go to you then for – actually, no, it's not your turn. Fuck it. Actually, we'll go back to you. Sorry. Audience score, what do you have? I'll say – 98. Ooh, you're even higher than like Avengers Endgame or whatever. <laughs> AC, what do you have? I'm going to say it's around 85. 82. Close. Oh. Close. Close. I didn't. Uh, quotes the obvious, ubiquitous Bond, James Bond. And how about dinner, James? Oh, I'd be court martialed for illegal use of government property. Those cheeky Brits and those innuendos are masterful, aren't they? Uh, how about this one? You're, you'll, you're, you'll be sorry. You'll all be sorry, you rats. That's some Scorsese-type dialogue right there. Spot on. Are you looking for shells? No, I'm just looking. Pithy. 
What do you have, AC, for quotes? Anything jumping out at you that I did not get on the quote side? Do you need help? Quite sure you don't. Jack Lord to Bond at the very end of the yeah. film. That's the one. I mean, there, there are a bunch throughout, but that's the one that stands out uh, the most to me. I'm going through my notes right here. Oh, it's a Dom 55. Would be a pity to waste it. Yeah. I prefer the 53. Yeah. How about you, Brad? Quotes jumped out at you. Uh, gosh, I mean, uh, man. So, so when Honey Ryder introduces herself and she's like, "Why are you laughing?" and she's like, hmm. <laughs> "It's just that kind of reaction." Um, I, gosh, I'm, I. The thing is, I was so distracted like throughout this movie too, just like how frustratingly, you know, bad it all is. That you know, like like the the most memorable quotes are the ones that like that you you guys already named, especially since it introduces you know Bond, James Bond. The the government property one was one that I was going to talk about because there's. Yeah, man, pervert James Bond is in full display in this one. Well, and that's what it was in the book. Speaking of quotes, though, let, let's talk about shaken, not stirred, right? So that comes in with Doctor No tell, and ever you know he's famous for he's wanting the the martini with the lemon shaken, not stirred. In the beginning, though, he it's in the hotel, and the guy says mixed, not stirred, to your mm-hmm. specifications. I've always wondered, is James an idiot or is he trying to stay sober? Because you would not ever shake a martini unless you wanted to dilute it. If you're an international man of mystery and you know what you're doing, you would stir it. Shaking a clear shaking a clear liquid, one, makes it cloudy and the drink doesn't look good, but also it dilutes it up to like 20%. Considering how much drinking he does pretty much the rest of the time, I'm betting he's not trying to stay sober. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And so it's like, who came up with that line and thought it was classy? And how many bars shake their martinis because of it? And how many people order it that way because they think they're cool? I did that. martini should be stirred. (laughs) I did that in my 20s and the bartender rules my eyes and I go, whoops. I guess this is not a smart move. And I had a bartender friend go, yeah, no one does that. Blame James Bond. That's that's dumb shit. Five fun facts. I'm going to tell you a bunch of names they considered, but actually, you know what, guys, who do you think was the first choice for producers? Uh, The producer's choice for James Bond, but I will say he turned down the role because he was considered to be too old and was also hesitant to sign a contract for three movies. Megastar back in the day. Who did the producers eyeball for James Bond first? I actually know the answer for this. Then don't say a thing, AC Rowe. Was he British? No. Frank Sinatra? Uh, no. Cary Grant. There you go. So the other was working because also the salary that he would want was going to equal Dr. No's entire budget. So Cary Grant was out there asking for a million bucks back in the 60s to do a film. Before Connery was cast, they considered Stanley Baker, Rex Harrison, Trevor Howard, Richard Johnson, Patrick McGowan, David Niven, the only one I've heard of, and Richard Todd. Richard uh, David Niven, of course, would go on to play a spoof of Bond in 1967's Casino Royale. Fun fact number two, Ian Fleming's top choice for villainous role of Dr. No, who happened to be his cousin. Do you know this one, Brad? So I do remember reading that he did want his cousin in the role, and I'm blanking, but now I'm blanking. Oh, no, now I, I just remembered, so I'll recuse myself again. AC, I'll give you a hint. This guy played a Bond villain in later films, but he, this was Ian Fleming's top choice for Dr. No. Who was it? Your hint's not going to help me much. Um, let's defer to, let, let, let's go ahead and defer to the research Brendan's done. 
or Brandon's done. I apologize. Oh, I'll, I'll, Brandon? I'll spill those beats. Oh, he did. He, he, there you go, Brad. Oh, no, I'm here. No, oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I was yeah. confused because I thought there was somebody else. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm Brad. I'm, I'm sorry. I got your name wrong <laughs> twice. That's why I was confused. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah. The answer, of course, being Christopher Lee, who was in The Man with the Golden Gun. The least irksome of the Roger Moore series for me. Number three, Bond was not supposed to say Bond, James Bond. In the script, it was written as I am James Bond. But Connery thought this was weak and decided to go off script with the line. In the first few takes, Connery did not pause, and it wasn't really working. When he paused to light a cigarette between Bond and James Bond, history was made. Impressive. Yeah. Uh, in the novel, Dr. No, Honey, Honey Rider is naked in her first appearance. The filmmakers wanted to stay true to this, but censorship prevented them from depicting nudity. Shame on them, because she is delicious. There's a lot that I'm surprised got through uh, the censors in this. Well, there's another one. This also put the kibosh on another nude scene. Sylvia Trench was supposed to be naked when Bond finds her playing golf in his apartment. She looked good in the in the pajama top, though. I thought that was more of his Oxford shirt. Yeah, I, I thought it was an Oxford shirt, but when she turns and looks, I'll have I'll have to go back and watch it again. I think it's just his pajama top. It's got the weird buttons on it. And, and number five, an early draft of the screenplay made the monkey. I just fucked that up. Made the villain a monkey. The villain was supposed to be a monkey. That is, Dr. No would turn out to be a simian idol, a monkey god worshipped by the island natives, though he'd have to have a human avatar who had a capuchin monkey of his own. Producer Albert Broccoli was appalled and told screenwriters to go back to the novel and come up with a less ridiculous nemesis who was more faithful to what Fleming had written. That explains why when I looked up the film today, it actually popped up other people watch Planet of the Apes. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But that that might have been a fun movie, though. We should make that. A monkey is that? That would be, um, God, what was that? Never mind. I was going to say it was Indiana Jones 4, but that was it's a joke that just I can't get out of my mouth properly. Next, let's go to the fan, the herd, as we call them, our fans who have questions for Brad in Ask a Gutter. Let's fire it off. At Nemirovsky, this is an easy question with a hard answer. Who is your favorite top Bond girl of all time? So all time, uh, I'm going with uh, Ava Green as Vesper Lind, just because excellent choice, incredible in Daniel Craig's movies, and like she's the one who totally just like rips James Bond to shreds. She was incredible. I was going to say Domino from Thunderball. I find her insanely hot, and also who is the chick? Who married Ringo Starr? She was in that one. Barbara Bach. Holy shit! She was. I watched it. Rewatched it recently. What a knockout! Um, was a cool that, character too, because it's yeah. she's like she's Agent Triple X, and like she she definitely gets the better of Bond on several occasions. Her her sister is married to Joe Walsh. Wow! Can you imagine that Thanksgiving? <laughs> Joe and Ringo. And of course, shitty film, but she's an absolute smoke show. And that would be Halle Berry and Die Another Day. She's another. Who, whoever it was that played Xenia on a top in one of the Pierce Brosnan. Anki Jansen. Yeah. I adore her. She was strong in that. Very much so. You know, it's funny. A lot of the Bond films, the secondary Bond women are hotter than the than the primary ones. AC, AC who's your go, who, who's your number one Bond gal? Yeah, I'm just going to stick with Denise Richards. I mean, it, it, it's a great not now, though. but then, yeah. yeah. But her name was Christmas something. Doctor Christmas, Christmas Jones. That's it. Yeah, I've always wanted to spend July and Christmas 
That was a line. <laughs> That's a good line. That was a terrible film. Terrible film. But she's a who was better in late nineties than Denise Richards. I'll, uh, I'll, she had a run, and then Charlie Sheen happened. Yeah. So did all that tainted blood. Uh, next question. Let's see. Nope, that's in Spider-Man 1. Oh, oh at Race, oh, good old Race to Canis, at Almighty Ray from, of course, the Who Would Win show. Old James Bond movies are ripe to get taken down a peg. I'll ask, what is your favorite spy movie with James Bond off the table? Uh, I mean, any of the Mission Impossible movies immediately. Yes, correct With the exception answer. of Mission Impossible 2, which sucks, but all the other Mission Impossible movies, uh, take any one of them, and I love them. See, I'm the one of the few guys who actually, I understand why two sucks, why people hate it. I get it. I like it. I think three is the worst. It has one of the greatest villains, but the whole plot and the action was just at the last three Mission Impossibles. I don't shut up about how great Tom Cruise. He's the, he's the best action hero in the last 25 years, Cruise. The last three Mission Impossibles are out of the stratosphere amazing, especially Fallout. That's the That just broke the mold and then some. I would choose number two, though, as uh, Jason Bourne, the first and the third films. The second sucked and the fourth was trash. What about you, AC? What do you have? You're forgetting spies like us. Come on, man. No, I'm not. That film was all. I rewatched it recently. That film is dreadful. Yeah, but it's greatest spy film of all time. It's got Donna Dixon in it. Come on. Mm. Hmm. And then look at that. Now she's heir to half the uh, Crystal Skull Vodka Empire. Here we are. He did well. We're going to close up the old Ask a Gutter. And now, listen, let's actually, I'm going to throw things a little bit differently because people always have plugs in the end. Let's make them in the middle or actually in the early part so we don't get that skipped over. Brad, what are you up to? Where can the folks find you? What are you doing? Uh, so I am an editor and writer at SlashFilm.com. That is uh, my normal day job. Uh, always writing about assorted movies and TV shows over there. Sometimes I appear on our Slash Film Daily podcast as well. Uh, and just like everybody else, I also have a podcast of my own called Go Flix Yourself, uh, available on <laughs> iTunes and Spotify and all that jazz. Uh, we talk about movies, talk about recent trailers, uh, shoot the shit, whatnot. Me and a couple of my friends who are uh, super into movies like I am. Uh, we also have a podcast called the 10 to 1 podcast where we, uh, we've been doing for about a year and a half now where we uh, review and recap every new episode of Saturday Night Live. So we're in season 48 right now. And uh, on a random side thing, uh, on Instagram, if you check out Look at Brad's Junk, you won't find pictures of my junk, but you will find a lot of pictures of new snack food, soft drinks, fast food and stuff that I post about and uh, to keep up with. So if you want to know about new chips and pop and that kind of thing check that instagram out at look at brad's junk ac what about yourself what are you up to Where can we i am uh i'm executive producing a new show that will air on hulu um before it's got to air before september 30th to fall within this budget year so it's uh it'll be a summer release for hulu next year i can't talk about what the show is yet uh or even the studio that we're actually doing it for but i got a new project coming out on hulu next year i'll tell you all about it uh maybe come back on the podcast talk about it uh and um doing that working on uh an actual travelogue podcast myself um that should be coming out in the spring and i'll tell you more about that later you can find me well i can't talk about anything can I, Kevin? It's all these stupid non-disclosure agreements we have to sign. I hate it. I sound like, yeah. you know, I, I should go, you'll read about it in the trades. But in reality, they haven't been announced yet, but my paychecks are cashing. I'm executive producing that new show for Hulu. You can find me on Instagram at AC underscore row. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Am Not Kevin Bacon. 
Or you could just say, find me in the variety write-ups because, you know, I'm hot shit. That's how I would say, that's how I'd phrase it when, uh, when I saw one of my shows. KevinGoatee.com. Don't forget, leave a rating for the pot, this very fine podcast if you want to advertise with us, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. And, of course, guttingthesacredcow.com for all fun stuff to buy. Cool shirts, hats, bags, all that cool stuff. We have it there. Support the podcast, and we thank you for being part of our little family every week. So now, AC, let's have Brad come out here and see if he's going to try and take a you know a fatal swipe at one of America and Britain's all-time favorite Randy Talk extraordinaire masters, James Bond and Doctor No, and got the uh, sacred cow. cow. Love that Zoom sync. <laughs> I need the clapper. There we go. <laughs> so just to kick things off, like right from the bat, uh, this movie kind of just like taints what we all know that James Bond has become because you have the classic opening sequence where he walks down and you see the point of view through the barrel and he's wearing that stupid fucking trilby hat, which doesn't look cool at all. It makes him look like he's just out for a walk in the rain in London or something like that. And he wears this hat throughout the opening sequence of this up until live and let die. They change it. Uh, once that movie comes around and it just makes him, it doesn't make him look cool at all. Like this, it's, it's just a silly hat and he doesn't even wear it except one time throughout this entire movie and he wears it when he's sitting in the car getting driven away from the airport for a bit he doesn't even wear it later when he drives to the, the one of the bond girls houses uh, who who betrays him and that's when his hair is all blown in the wind and everything he just carries it around and tosses it and it's like it's it's terrible like why even have him have the hat and make him look less cool when he points and turns and shoots a gun well t- two things one what's up with the hate on the trilbies christian finnegan absolutely hated trilbies when yes. we did, when we did blues brothers he talked about it quite a bit i didn't even know that was a name of a hat second it wasn't him it was another actor. Uh, no, 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 and- no, 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 wrong. It was a producer because I have that written down in my notes. It was not okay. Bond. Yeah, but, it was it was, but it's James Bond, though. So right. like, it doesn't like it doesn't matter who plays him. They're still making James Bond look bad with that hat. And I think the Blues Brothers pull off the Trilby hat infinitely better than James Bond does because it just doesn't feel like a, a, a suave secret agent hat to me. It feels like uh, you know a, a businessman hat who was like chasing after a newspaper blowing down the street. <laughs> oh, so. I'll start off with a few just weird random nitpicks that, that I noticed before I get into the bigger stuff. Uh, did you guys notice the same damn bird sounds throughout the entire movie? Just a, a repetition of the exact same bird that you hear whenever James Bond is walking outside and it's a sunny day. The same sound effect used over and over again. I did not hear that. What was, what I, I missed it, that myself. Yeah, I was going to say, what did it sound like? Uh, I mean, I can't do bird sounds very well, but just, just I'll just say repeated whistling sounds or tweeting. Oh, I thought this was an Autobahn podcast you were doing here. <laughs> uh, also, did anyone else think it was weird that when he's driving uh, to the Bond Girls house, Miss Toro is her name, I think, um, that she, all, for whatever reason, they hold on her giving him driving directions. Like, it's the sexiest thing imaginable. They do this slow crossfade from him driving to him arriving at the house, and it's just her droning on and on. Oh, you'll make a left turn here, and then, oh, watch out, because there's a dog with a with a limp, and you don't want to hit him and drive around the factory and rip it to do the sexiest thing is a, a girl reading driving directions. <laughs> Dude, the funniest ever, I, I, I did this girl for a little bit, 
And she was so bad with direction to go, put your dad on the phone. Like, this is before MapQuest. This is in the 90s, by the way. I go, put your dad on the phone. So I could, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. So you get up at exit 142, you make it right on the Route 22, left, right, and then boom, you're here. It's just so funny to hear people having to give directions like back in the day. Like, holy shit, that was a thing. And again, with all the apps and even. But, but outside of New York, I hate it when yeah. somebody says, go east or west. I yeah. went without the street numbers to tell me where to go. Right. I like, like, oh, let me get out my compass and look at it. What position is the sun in? But like where I'm from, the directions they give, and it's always the same. Do you know, because originally I'm from the south, Brad. Do you know where the Walmarts used to be? It's not where anything is. It's you, you go up to where the Walmarts used to be and then you turn left and you go, the Johnsons used to live there and you turn right, but go to the Walmarts. <laughs> Oof. That's sexy, isn't it? Yeah. Walmart is super sexy. Especially when you can score trucker meth in the parking lot. Like, yeah, yeah, I know that place really well. well um, I mean, I've heard about it. Well, Brad, not, not to like argue semantics. It's not Walmart, it's Walmarts. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. And it's the Walmarts. <laughs> No, that does sound very Southern. Now, uh, who in their right mind would believe that this big diesel fire throwing monstrosity is a dragon? Like you'd have to be blind to think that this thing is anything other than a mechanical thing. So the fact that Quarrel and even Honey Rider thinks, oh, yeah, there's totally a dragon on this island. It's like, no, it's just a big tank that shoots fire out of it. <laughs> Nothing about it looks like a dragon. Yeah, I'll get into that. My nose, but yeah, I hear you. I, I think that kind of, there are a couple of things that are a little problematic with race in the film. We're not, oh. we're not going to, but but also they play her as uneducated. Because, yeah, very, yeah, very naive. And so you know, the the whole thought is people who aren't as good as me might believe that that was a dragon. But hold on, sure. she she's no dummy. She said she read every she read all the encyclopedias, so she's not dumb. all the way up to D. Yeah. Still learning. <laughs> okay, so uh, next thing I have here is uh, there's such an, uh, an exaggerated use of the famous James Bond theme to the point where it doesn't even feel cool in this movie. It, they, he plays the uh, the guitar theme, the down, 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 as he's walking across the hotel and asking for a memo. Like, oh, that wow, cool, James Bond. How suave of you. <laughs> but that's what made it the iconic Bond film. Right. It, it's, was this the first Bond film you'd ever seen, Brad? No, no not at all. So, so it, that that's the thing, is that, that's how they established it as a thing. It's like putting a catchphrase in a TV show. And Oh, no, for sure. But yeah. there's a better way to use such a cool theme rather than just having it with him walking across a hotel lobby to get a memo. But it's hold on, though. Remember, what they could license. But here's the thing, too, though. Remember this, and I have a note, and I'll get into it in a minute. The hotel receptionist is giving the old up and down. Every hard. scene. So that's why I think the theme plays like, oh, this guy's a baller. He gets his own theme. And then... He's got his own theme to the point where the fucking hotel receptionist is giving him the old hairy eyes. And I think it's more of like a Pavlovian uh, thing with the audience. Like, yeah, hot women checking him out. This guy's the bomb. Here you go. Fire <laughs> she, up the theme song. She checked him out so much. I kept waiting for her to be a villain. Right. Like, I, I, it was so obvious. Like, I kept expecting her to, like, give a memo to somebody to break into his room. That and, hey, uh, he, he'd look over his seat catcher, like, staring at him go to, like, a gender. She needs a mop and bucket. 
<laughs> okay, so a uh, big thing here. Uh, we, we, we You hinted about this before, about the fight choreographer. The action in this movie is abysmal. From the car chase to the hand-to-hand combat sequences, no one in this movie looks like they can actually fight. And every every time it, things are supposed to feel like exciting or suspenseful, it, it is executed so poorly. And this is mostly a product of the fact that, like, they hadn't really figured out how to like safely do big stunts, you know, in, in the 1960s and whatnot. And that's so that's fully understandable. But it's just there there are no like thrills or exhilarating moments here or, or even moments where you feel like there's suspense. And they try to build it up with, you know, different swells of the orchestra. The score is easily the best part of this movie for sure. But like the fact that they have to use this, you know, big horns, you know, swells when he's smashing a spider with a shoe. Come uh, on. Like, 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 like that, that's the big threat here is that he has to get up and you have to do the big, you know, uh, brass snares when he's smashing every single time with the shoe. Why was his face sweaty in that scene, but none of the rest of his body was? Cause he's so sexy. <laughs> Because hot as also, fuck in Jamaica. I don't did know. You guys, did you guys notice or did you read about this that the, they didn't actually have the spider crawl on Sean Connery? Yeah, I knew this. I, I, I had my five fun facts, but I opted for something more fun. Yeah, he he was terrified of spiders. So they, if you look, you can see that they had like a, a thing of glass between him and you can yeah. see the shadow on him as opposed to the spider actually being on him. But yeah, besides that, the, the I've card- been scared of that spider. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, too, is like and this kind of goes with a little bit something I'll, I'll deal with later as far as like the villains in this movie. Uh, but that spider, not venomous, not at all. <laughs> I, I, what, what was that? I mean, I'm not a spider it, it, expert. It, it was a tarantula. But hey, it was going to kill Greg Brady in the Brady Bunch. So come on, don't, <laughs> don't take that away from me. Didn't a tarantula, wasn't that the cause of all those spiders and arachnophobia? No, that was that was definitely a different spider than a tarantula. Oh, all right. I saw that twenty five years ago. I'll, all right, <laughs> sure, sure. But yeah, o- overall, just the action in this movie is is really bad. Even like with the final fight, and this is part of a, a bigger problem I have with Doctor No as a character. But uh, there's no real fight there, and like the, just it's it's not exciting in the least. <laughs> yeah, that. Well, I'll talk about that too. But yeah, that was pretty anticlimactic. That final uh, fifteen minutes with them. That's for sure. Uh, and then what's the deal with like Dr. No in general? Because he seems to be a pretty bad villain. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know like what the deal is with the henchmen that he hires, but you have the guys that are like they're referred to as the three blind mice. Like, I don't know what benefit they really get from pretending to be blind. I'm, I'm sure that maybe they're they're suspected a little bit less, but they also don't really do a very good job of hiding. Like they almost try to shoot Bond in like right in front of the hotel with witnesses all around and then they're like oh no we 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 missed out on this one we better get out of here it tied in with the theme song that they put in the credits that was the bridge into the opening scene yeah exactly uh and so then we we have the stupid spider which isn't even, even venomous and i don't know why you would rely on you know a spider to actually kill this supposedly extremely skilled super spy that has found you on your island and you're just going to leave it and hope that the spider knows that he's supposed to kill James Bond. He doesn't, he's, he crawls all over his skin and the spider crawls onto the pillow before Bond even had like, gets a chance to like react to it. So the spider wasn't even going to kill him if he got a chance. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Why does Dr. No peek at James Bond while he's sleeping in his lair? Ah, fucker. I have that in here. (laughs) (laughs) He lifts up the sheet with his black metal arms and just takes a glance 
Why is he checking out Sean Connery's hairy, glistening chest? I like I, I don't understand what what he's doing there. I mean, can you fault the man? You're only human after all. Fair. That's fair. I mean, I can't say that I wouldn't want to peek at Sean Connery's chest if I were given the option. <laughs> you got plenty. Absolutely. Lots of opportunities in the film. <laughs> it's like take your shirt off of him. <laughs> it's an hour and a half before we actually meet Dr. No in person. Yeah. And like. That creates an air of mystery, sure, but when we finally meet him, it's super underwhelming, and there's nothing that's really all that menacing about it. No matter how hard uh, Joseph Weissman tries as Doctor No, I just didn't really feel like there was any air of villainy coming from this guy. He just he felt like a businessman to me. <laughs> well, but the the way that they did do it. And I hate to say you have to take it for what it is, right? But this is one of those you have to take it for what it is. The way they set that up influenced a ton of other movies. It influenced, I mean, Inspector Gadget and the incre- the, the the scene where Jason Lee's character in The Incredibles finds them for the first time. The set looks a lot like the set from Dr. No. So, I mean, it, whatever they did was effective enough that it lived in the minds and, and hearts of people and in the zeitgeist long enough that it in Dr. No as a character and using that that disembodied voice to talk to the henchmen, to talk to the characters, to only see pieces of them to make them more menacing has lived and continued on due in large part as a result of this film. No, for sure. The, the elements living on show that like there are things in here that are interesting, but if they, they need, need to be used in a way that actually I think is more effective, which, which did follow this, even in other James Bond movies, I think do it better than this. Um, but like the, this, just the way Dr. No is, is portrayed is the, the mystery doesn't really, provide for a satisfying that doesn't make the conclusion any more satisfying like the the lead up to it is like oh so there's there's definitely this air of mystery and it's kind of compelling but then once you actually get there it's just like oh this this is it like this is this is what we have and also dr no shows uh the hands of specter way too early this is something it's like specter should have been saved for like much later in the films like this this is like the equivalent of uh, the dark universe movies with the mummy laying out everything and introducing that secret organization talking about, you know, having Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and referencing all the other universal movie monsters that are coming. Spectre wasn't even mentioned in the books until uh, Thunderball until that, that novel came out. And so, but they put it out there because they were too scared of actually blaming the Soviet union for being the villain in this movie instead. But to be fair, though, I mean, that's again, we've seen every Bond film. This has been out for 60 years. When you first saw it, go, Spectre, who gives a shit? You, you think about it, you don't give a second thought to it. It's just mentioned in passing. He, yeah. It's not It's not like he got into detail and there was no kind of payoff with it. It's like, oh, I'm part of a criminal organization. Eh, next. Like, all right, cool. And no, they I, all- don't remember that. Plus, you're gonna, I mean, you knew they're going to do it in the later films. I didn't have a problem with that. It was well, they great. also didn't know that they were going to have. I mean, any time you put a project out, you don't know that the, the next one's going to get there. And sometimes you can be guilty of throwing too much against the wall. And this may have been the one chance they actually had, regardless of whether it was a three-picture deal or not, to actually get Spectre out there. But also, I think, well, I think, the, I think the what Kevin thing, said- The one thing I want to check out, and I didn't, at the end of every Bond film, it will, it, in, the, in the 60s and 70s especially, I don't think they do it now, it says James Bond will return in The Spy Who Loved Me or fucking- Oh, no, no, they, they, they do do that in every single one. They, even, even Dr. No, it. though, they did? In Dr. Uh, no? 
But so I didn't stick around for Doctor No to see if yeah. they did it, but, but they they have done it in everyone since. Yeah, the I, I watched it all the way to the end on Amazon today, and it just went and stopped. It never said James Bond will return in yeah. at least in the streaming version on Amazon. Okay. Yeah, they probably they probably didn't want to do it for that one for sure. But like, well, but what Kevin says though is the fact that like they, they just kind of threw Spectre out there, and it's just like, oh, uh, whatever. Like that's why I think it's like like why would you like put that out there and not have it you know actually be you know a, a significant reveal? It's like obviously you know you don't always know if you're going to be able to get a chance to do it later, but like it means nothing if you don't get to do it later. You know, that's true. Yeah. It could build to the future films though, if you do it right. I don't, but I don't think this. I don't think that was. Uh, I don't think it's a black mark against this film because they threw Spectre out there without any real payoff. Yeah. I would, okay. I, I, okay. I, I would not. I would not. I'm not going to put it in the negative column, or the naughty column for that. Uh, well, so let's see if we throw, can throw this in the negative column. Uh, Doctor Note doesn't do anything cool with those metal hands of his except break a statue. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't even fight against a 007 well with his hands like it's not as if he suddenly punches harder or inflicts more pain 007 responds to him as if he's just fighting with a normal guy with hands that are just have an average man strength yeah he did anything cool with it like you know pull out a plush toy from a from a from a machine and give it to a kid with those hands of his <laughs> what else so, all right all right, so let's dig into uh, what AC mentioned earlier, which is the casual racism of this entire movie. Uh, pretty much every character of color that you see in this movie is uh, subservient to some superior white character to the point that they're uh, even mocked uh, by Bond's American counterpart, uh, Felix Leiter. And uh, we have a character, Coral, who is obviously is from Kingston there, meant to be. Uh, and they portray him as uh, believing in, quote, native superstitions. They make fun of him for it. And then they also portray him as this drunk who carries around this jug of rum because that's the only way he can deal with being scared of going on this mission uh, with, with Bond to the, the island. Yeah, that was a weird pull. You see him pull out the the, the rum and hit, take a big... You know, the only thing missing from that jug was like a three X's on the side of that, yeah. like a brown jug. Yeah. I thought, what the hell is the point of this? Like, this doesn't... I don't know if it's a portraying him as a drunk, but it was just like, like, why is this shot in here? Like, this which, makes has no place whatsoever. Which, which surprised me that that was part of it, but it's, and I'm sure there are other films that were earlier, but I that that did it. But I was surprised that a film from 1962 touched on sexual assault. Yes, that's that. I, I, I was I, I was very surprised uh, by that because I didn't remember having that as being a uh, really even anything I heard the first couple of times I saw the film 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And that seems like something that they, they got around just by not coming out and saying it. it's only implied and you're kind of left to assume that that's what happened. Well, but I, I, I don't even think I mean, they, they don't say it, but they do. I mean, very matter of fact, yeah, say it. That that they were aware enough to put that in, but then that they could still put out something. I mean, as as out there as the little rascals. <laughs> uh, so going uh, back to the the casual racism thing, we have two characters that are basically just yellow face characters. <laughs> uh, both Miss Taro and the titular Doctor No uh, are portrayed by actors and uh, an actor and actress who are not Asian at all. Uh, Joseph Weissman <laughs> is the one who they even give makeup to to make him look vaguely Asian, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, it's pretty egregious. And uh, 
you know, I, I think even in the 1960s, there were probably some pretty good Asian actors they could have gotten to play those roles. But uh, Hollywood's going to Hollywood, I guess. Well, and my perspective on that is we are looking at it through today's lens with that. And in reality, almost every film made back then, and I'm, I'm glad we're doing the things that we're doing now, wish we had done them earlier, but almost every film that was shot during that time frame, that would have been the case. Yeah, sure. we're, I, we're not gonna we're not gonna back and fault them for what was done at the time. That's something I refuse to do. It's you're right. But, I, but you're, I you, say, look at, you look at it now, you're like, eh, not a good look. Everyone did it at the time. Didn't say it was right, but to go back and fault them was what was in vogue. You can't fault them for that. It also feels like it stands out a little more than some of the other instances of things like this happening, though, because they surround Joseph Weissman with actual Asian extras. <laughs> yeah, they did. So, yeah, uh, the, there's definitely casual racism uh, all over this thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't entirely uh, disagree with the idea since this is something that did happen a lot back then. But uh, it definitely uh, sucked then uh, and it sucks now. <laughs> uh, so there's some details left out from the book that I feel like would have made this uh, a lot more interesting. Uh, first of all, in the book, James Bond fights a giant squid. Where's that scene? <laughs> You're shitting me. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Where? It, what, what, what part does he? I don't know. I don't know which part. This is only something that I read about online. I haven't actually read the book, but there they they did not include a scene where James Bond has to fight a giant squid. Well, I mean, the book is always going to be better than the movie, unless you can't read. A lot of a lot of times, I mean, a lot of times, very, very rarely is it not. That would have been a cool scene. We, they didn't have the technology to shoot that back then, and look at what the fight choreography looked like now. Could you imagine if it had been just a dude in a suit with tentacles? trying to fight bond that wouldn't have worked out it looked like probably, that dude. probably would have been more deadly than dr no though well i mean it wouldn't take much yeah <laughs> uh they were supposed to escape in the dragon buggy when they leave dr no's lair and i feel like it's a tank a it's not a dragon buggy. it's a fucking tank call it what it is <laughs> but yeah the they, they, they were supposed to escape in the tank uh that's what they do in in the book and i feel like a real missed opportunity to have james bond cruising around in a giant tank that shoots fire out of its mouth disagree because how the fuck else would they then have him make it out with honey rider and then unclip the boat from the coast guard yep. and then drop a pithy comeback like it looks like you don't need any help see <laughs> not thinking hollywood buddy <laughs> well we'll get to we'll get to what uh the problem that i have with that moment a little bit later <laughs> sure uh, and then I, I mentioned this earlier, but the fact that they really went out of their way to avoid making the villain the Soviet Union, because they are the villain in the book, but they were just too scared of stirring up trouble with the Soviet Union back in the 1960s. And that's why they put Spectre in the movie. So uh, cowards, I say. Well, I guess they were. They go were ahead and start they were, World War III. They, they, were, they <laughs> were filming this. It had to been 61, which was when the Bay of Pigs happened. So, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. But hey, listen, it didn't stop Rambo from fucking them up in the Cold War and Rocky. So... <laughs> We got balls. You realize we, we are living in a 1980s movie right now, right? Very, very much so. I very mean, we, we, you've got a stand up comic and two heavyweight, former heavyweight champions fighting Russia. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, this is my last point. It has uh, several sub points, I guess you could say, but this is about James Bond as a whole uh, a man who is a gambling addict, uh, a pervert, and kind of a terrible spy. Sounds like you'd, somebody would be fun to hang out with. Yeah. My Does it, though? <laughs> well, but to your point about him being a terrible spy, he's horrible. But <laughs> but but why do you think that is? I mean, maybe because he's drinking a lot? Well, I, I read something the other day, which is completely ridiculous, but it was a whole thing about how Bond really isn't 
um, the spy. He's the idiot they send in there. So everybody knows who he is. He doesn't have any secret identity, although, you know, he works for what was it called? The Oh, oh, the uh like the, the the trading thing. I forgot like something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, like every everything else is has a secret identity but him. So like I read this whole thing that he's just the moron they send out to draw the attention, but you never see a backstory for that. So it can't be true. So, but, but the so my counter to that is that they give him several instances that make him seem like he's a terrible spy. But there are so many inconsistencies that follow later that it completely undoes any of the cleverness that he actually exhibits in moments where they want him to look like a good spy. Well, I I, I think it's it's rooted in in Fleming and then the screenwriters coming through, and it's just it it's their fantasy of what you would want to do if you were a spy, and that's supposed to. To come to us, right? You you yeah. want to you, you want to be in trouble. You don't want like if you're fantasizing about being a spy, you don't want the bad guy to not see you and you unplug the cord and you ride off into the sunset alone. You want everybody to know who you are, even the assassins that are trying to kill you, because you want to sleep with them and you want to be in the fight and you want to be in the car chase and you want to have that oops, almost they almost got me kind of moment. So you like you you feel that yourself. And I think that's the reason. And he is—he's a horrible spy, but I think that's the point. He's like Austin I mean, Powers without the without the over the top humor with it and, and silliness. <laughs> and, and the I laugh mean, track, but the, the laugh track, the Austin Powers, Elizabeth Hurley. I think it was Elizabeth Hurley, maybe the yeah. Beyonce, the hotel room. In the that, first one. The the, the 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 hotel room that Bond or the the where they're being held on on the island is almost identical it, it's where the they had to have designed the one from austin powers you got the two rooms separate from each other but not really separate some of the scenes like i was watching and i have to go back and watch austin powers but i would bet they're almost shot for shot from dr no oh yeah there's a, there's definitely yeah, a, a lot, lot of similar. dr no in in austin the first austin powers movie. and the uh and the uh the this where they steam clean them from the radioactive stuff same thing with yeah. austin powers all that with the very beginning where they defrost them that's yeah. all that's all nods too. So so here here's some of the things I'm gonna say that that I think that Bond was was terrible at. And some of these don't necessarily fit in with him wanting to get into danger. They just like fit in with him making poor decisions. Uh so first of all, he he's using his unreliable gun. It's it jammed in a key moment. They mention, you know, M brings that up. It's like, so why do you keep using that? Why are you so stubborn about using the wall the wall PPK? Uh he then tries to right steal on. that gun from <laughs> MI6 afterwards. Yeah. It, yeah, it was the Beretta. He uses the Walther. Yeah. Um, but there's a great quote there that I forgot from the beginning. It's double O's have a license to kill, not a license yeah. to be killed. Yes, exactly. But Bond apparently has, a, I think, has a death wish uh, because, first of all, he lets the henchman that he just uh, stopped, uh, who is pretending to be his chauffeur, have a, have a quick cigarette. Why would you give him a chance to do anything? <laughs> Which is spooked at Austin Powers again as well as we said. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so he, when he, when he gets to that crime scene uh, where that 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 radio signal was interrupted because the three blind mice killed that woman at that you know uh, secret house or whatever it was, he picks the headphones up with a pencil, but then he puts his fingers on everything else. <laughs> <laughs> He's a crime scene tainter. Also, is a piece of hair really the best way to know if someone snuck into your closet? <laughs> Well, I mean, it worked apparently, but he didn't seem concerned at all that they had been exactly. all over his hotel room other than the bottle of vodka. And then, so what, what's to stop the bottle of vodka in his drawer from being poisoned as well? <laughs> yeah, good point. That's a good point. Uh, is, that all, is that all you have or, or you have more notes? 
I got I got a couple more things. Sure. Uh, they they just fall asleep on the beach, no protection whatsoever, and for some reason the mosquitoes only come out when they're in the river, not at night. <laughs> yes. Uh, Bond is worried about every single thing in his hotel room when he gets there, w- with the hair and the vodka and everything. He has no problem immediately taking a cigarette from Doctor No's lair or drinking the tea that they're handed. Right. And then the last thing I have. He lets a nuclear reactor explode. He doesn't stop it. He lets a nuclear reactor explode. This is a huge problem and will continue to be a problem in that area for years to come. Give me uh, so that's all you have then, correct? Yeah, that's it. Give me a number one to ten in your thoughts on this film. Uh, I'm going to give Dr. No a three. And the three is because uh, it has a lot of cultural touchstones that would influence movies later and obviously stuck around for James Bond. But as an introduction to this character uh, and the first movie in the franchise, uh, it's just, uh, it's it's bad to me. It's laughably bad. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. AC, what notes do you have? Let's hear it, buddy. Well, first of all, I want to ask Brad, is it all Bond films or is it just this Bond film or this Bond film and a handful? So I do think that there's a decent amount of the older James Bond films that suffer from the same problems. But I do think that they they start to find 
uh, a more playful identity and like become a little bit more confident. And it's just, they start to be accepted more as fun. I feel like Dr. No in a way somewhat took itself maybe a little too seriously because they were just starting the franchise and still figuring it out. And much in the same way that like TV shows, you know, evolve over the years, I feel like bond, you know, changed and they really was, they were able to embrace like what they wanted the franchise to become. So I think there are some good classic bond entries. Uh, I think a lot of them have, have the same problems, but Dr. No, I think is probably on, on the lower end of the spectrum. Anyway, I'll interrupt for one second, AC, give me your favorite bond and your favorite bond film, just so I know where I, where I can, where you stand here so my favorite bond is probably well so i'm gonna break it up through the modern and classic era modern era it's daniel craig no it's a a one answer but it's a one one answer answer. okay if it's one answer then i'm gonna say pierce brosnan oh all right (laughs) And, and and your favorite film goldeneye holy shit okay now we know now i know where we stand you don't like goldeneye it's okay. The game's way better than the film is. That's for sure. Well, that's uh, of course. <laughs> Jumped off a dam on a motorcycle to catch an airplane. Yeah. What's yeah. not to like? Yeah, I, awesome. I didn't. I didn't say I didn't like it. I thought that to say that's your favorite is bold. When our, I think there are many other entries I think that are better. Again, that's your opinion. That's fine. That's just saying for me. It's <laughs> it's, uh, it's a mid mid. It's a midland film for me. Uh, AC, sorry to interrupt you, pal. Go ahead. Oh no. So I, I was I, I was curious because like. I'm not a guy who specifically likes Bond films. I would struggle to tell you what my favorite Bond film is. I will tell you there is one definitive James Bond. And Kevin Goatee, look me in the eyes through Zoom when I tell you this. It's Roger Moore. You are Roger out Moore of your is absolutely mind. James Bond. <laughs> Roger Moore is James Bond. Um, but but so I'm not a I'm not a, a, a giant fan of the genre. But they do well. They make money. It, it, it's a franchise and a character that has absolutely lived forever. So when you go back and watch this film, if you shine today's light on it, uh, it, it the stunts are going to look bad and and we are going to find, you know, social things that, that we look at. But mm-hmm. if you look at this film for what it was as a, as a person walking in in 1962, did you walk out of that film excited when you heard the next Bond film was coming out, did you want to see it because of it? And I, I think, you know, we're coming out of a time where, where ever, most of the people, the viewing public, had, had been in war or supported the war effort. You've got some time removed from that. You've got some people that just missed it. Kind of a boring time. Everybody living in tract houses, if you believe the Wonder Years. Um, <laughs> and everything was good and wholesome. And all of a sudden, you've got sex. You've got adventure. You've got not just sex you've got very blatant sex throughout the entire film you've got a character that is a departure from the norm for what you're seeing an opportunity for everybody to watch it and go hey this is i want to be that guy i want to live that life i think the film knocks that completely out of the park and so to to to, your points are all really good but like you go through this film and you're introducing people to poker that they've never even seen live in a casino. And I still have never played anywhere where the chips are squared, nor would I. I'll play hold them all day. I wouldn't know how to play that game. But, but they, they, I mean, they're, they're pushing the, the martini really hard. They're introducing people to that. You've got the cool, awesome cars. You, you've got stuff blowing up, which, you know, it, it was, did it look good when it blew up? 
by today's standards? No. But did it look good by those standards? Yeah. Do I think we could take that script, just the three of us right now, and come up with a better telling of it? And if somebody gave us the money to do it, we could do it better right now. We couldn't do it for $9 million right now because things are, you, you, you can't do a movie like that for $9 million bucks. So to me, that looking and I again, I've always been the I hate you got to look at it from through that lens. But for me to appreciate Bond, I, I kind of have to do that. Um, not that I hate Bond movies. If they're on, I'll watch them. But I've never personally in my life sat down and said, I, other than today, I'm going to watch a Bond film because it's a Bond film. Um, watching through the movie, I, they introduce him they introduced dr no in what i think is a very effective way with the voice in the room with the tarantula in the box i wish they you had seen more of that i wish he had been made more menacing throughout i do think they spent a lot of time setting up who bond is throughout i i, I think they spent too much time setting up the jack lord cia character for as little as he really did it was cool for me because I felt like I was watching an early episode of Hawaii Five-0. Um, I used I used to have the Hawaii Five-0 State Police T-shirt in the late '90s because I thought it was I thought it was fun and funny. I was flying on an airplane once, and as I was getting on, they upgraded me to first class, and I didn't know why. And I go to land, and they're like, "Sure is nice having a police officer on the flight." And I'm like, "Yeah, I bet it would." You think I'm a oh? Can we land this plane fast? Can we? Can I get out of here now? So I never impersonated a police officer, but they thought I was one. It's like it's just a joke. Just Hawaii Five O. I, re I really wish a, 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 something happened where you had to play the role of Sky Marshal, and, oh. then, and then tape some drunk down to his seat using like duct tape or whatever. Well, I mean, I would do that with or without the T-shirt because I think that would be <laughs> fun, and there would probably get more views than anything I've ever done. They put it up on TikTok now. That would be great. Um, but but I there were there was a lot to me that was superfluous throughout the movie the it, why do you care why why do you spend all of that time taping the hair to the door and then once you've seen it you don't care you pour your drink you go ahead and go to bed but i did like in that scene and there are a couple of times throughout even in in the the end of the movie which I, it was a convention that they used that i actually thought added to the movie but listening to both of you guys thought it might take some away but I, I like the time that bonds alone and not talking he's in the room he's doing stuff and that scene is longer than most scenes would be without any dialogue and i enjoyed that i thought it moved the plot through better than a lot of the transitions in this film are really quick like the scene that the, the, there's no time when the professor realizes it's happened before he's already in the car racing they don't waste any time there but they do slow the film down in scenes like that and I, to me i i enjoyed that as part of the storytelling to include at the end of the movie i think there wasn't a whole lot they could do there there wasn't a whole lot th that the script could have done so because it drug out so long and because nothing is you're not hearing people other than the weird or seeing people other than the weird extras cross that you know you know a second ad is going wait six seconds and go ahead and walk um, I thought that actually added to the suspense of the film 
that overrode the fact that the the lead actor, I mean, the the lead villain wasn't that strong a character. He wasn't well well written or well cast. But I do think when you oh, my favorite part of the finale though is the fact that everything looks like it's on the price of right prices right the danger meter looks like you know oh. it's going off the cliff oh the well the green game the, 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 yeah. price, the price ranger that's what it's called price ranger yeah. i think yes excellent but, but like i i liked that um because that was new for then um again i'm probably not going to sit down and watch another james bond film until somebody i'm with wants to watch it but it's it it created or at least aided in the explosion of an entire genre of films. And so with that, and maybe it's my appreciation of being able to see that and and connect it to other movies, but I thought it did a really good job of portraying something different than people were seeing. And if the people walked out of the theater after seeing that, I think they were excited and fun and and happy to do it as witnessed by we've got 50 Bond now. And it's the, same, it's, a, it's, a, it's the same director who started out, Terrence Young is his name. He did five or six of the first Bond films. So he learned by doing each one getting better and better and better and better. And then Diamonds Are Forever was atrocious. But then, yeah, but at least it got better. So, yeah, it's uh, to your point. So, I mean, that that's my overall thought on the film. I would, I mean, if I were giving it, and I mean, like, I'm stingy with numbers. Uh, I gave Wolf of Wall Street a three. Um, I, and I, I, I think I was being very generous when I did that. Um, I would say this film is a six, uh, but for what it did with the genre, I'd give it a 6.5. Fantastic score. These notes brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com. If you want to email and say hi to us, please do so at guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com or if you want to advertise with us. But most importantly, please tell your friends about us. We love you and love when we turn on uh, new fans to the show and we thank you for doing so. Notes. Uh, the opening scene, as you mentioned, Brad, a very good, astute point. That's not Sean Connery jumping. By the way, he's shooting nowhere near his target. He's <laughs> shooting at one o'clock. That bullet is going nowhere near his aim, his, his desired target. Did not get that. The Three Blind Mice song feels so out of place. More people would pay more attention to three blind guys than three regular dudes. And by the way, does this have a payoff that they're blind? No. I hated that aspect. That made no sense whatsoever. Did not they, like that. They show you, though, they hint that they're not blind. I know that. When, 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 when he reads the, the, the sign that's not in Braille in Braille, which made right. me laugh. Right. <laughs> Uh, and this doesn't pay off at all. Those guys, oh, okay, the three by mice, and then bang, nothing later on. Uh, that's it. That's that's useless. I've seen every Bond film. I've se- I've been in casinos, as you know, AC, countless times, and I still can't understand nor play baccarat at all, which is the game that Bond plays in every single. You know, except for, of course, Casino Royale. He plays poker. Oh, oh fun fact, real quick. I forgot to mention this. I have been to the the club Lay Ambassador. Uh, that they in are in Dr. No. Yeah. Cause I did a uh, promotional event for no time to die. And I went out there and they put us up in the Dorchester hotel. They took us to that club. We had like a super nice dinner and then they took us to uh, Land Rover's headquarters and did like a stunt driving course with us with the actual um, no time to die stunt coordinators and drivers. Can I have a job with you? <laughs> Seriously. How bad is that? How badass is that? Someone tell me, I, I'm sure this, I work in corporate America as my day job. And I'm willing to bet after watching uh, this, every scene that Bond and Money Penny have together in all the Bond films are what they play in the first day on the job for 
here, see that what they're doing? Don't ever do that at this company ever <laughs> at all. This is your sexual harassment 101 training going on. M calls out Bond for being out at three in the morning, but this slave driver has him, <laughs> Money Penny, and the gun guy working at 3 a.m. He's the British Michael Scott. What an asshole. Guess who's never working for MI6? Me. <laughs> Late night booty calls are great, but when she breaks into your house, the it's time to drop her out of the rotation, fellas. Especially when she goes to your closet to dig out a shirt you wear and she manages to find your golf clubs. Ooh, that is a that is a stage five uh, clinger alert, as they say in Wedding Crash or yeah, Wedding Crashers. What psychopath takes pictures of people coming out of the airport, even freelancing for Christ's sakes? I mean, we've all been on planes. You've been on a flight for several hours. You always look like dog shit when you land. Hey, honey, grab the sweaty, cranky kids and let's get a family photo by the carousel. How much? Twenty bucks? You got it. Get out. That doesn't happen. The fight scenes are so clumsily choreographed, as we said. The bad guys look so oafish. There's no flow. They're all, it's a bunch of like, it, it's almost like a bunch of old white guys dancing. They're so rigid. There's nothing, there's no, no one's buying that these guys can throw punches nor land them. Uh, but that dude wrestles alligators. Isn't that what he I said? I know. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And then Bond just breaks out of his arms like it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. Cyanide cigarettes work in five seconds, eh? Well, note to self if I'm ever forced to see Seth Rogen in Broadway. Ooh. Harsh. <laughs> You'll go bald like Sean Connery did long before this by pulling strands out of hair in every hotel room that you're in to see if people break in your room. By the way, he was wearing a hairpiece. He's wearing a hairpiece in his, in his late 20s. And this is, he had two hairpieces, one for dry scenes and one for wet scenes. Did you know? Now you know. And knowing is half the battle. When Bond fights Quarrel and Pussfo in that storage space, why do they have a bunch of empty red stripe boxes? Why would you not have them filled with beer? To see, it's more fun to see the bottles fall out and break, be more realistic. And how can Quarrel sit on an empty box that supports his body weight? That doesn't happen. There was an apple box there. Come on now. Yeah. The female photographer breaks a flashbulb and stabs Quarrel in the face. Does and he doesn't even flinch when he when she stabs him. He must be on some grade A heroin because I would have had her bite the table and stomp her goddamn head in if that was me. It was the rum. <laughs> yeah, you old Jamaican drunk. Is that what they're trying to say? <laughs> the hotel reception of giving Bond the top to bottom howdy do eyes. Can you blame her? Meow. Then again, if he, if he did that to her, he would be an absolute creep and, you know, me too. Imagine you're the guy carrying, I forgot his name, the professor. You're, the, you're that guy carrying the spider back from Dr. No's headquarters and you get some awkward questions. Oh, this? Oh, it's nothing. It's just a tarantula. Ah, no worries. I'm just going to go kill a British Secret Service agent. <laughs> yeah, I am kidding. How do you get that past everybody? All right. well, how, how, how did they know that the tarantula was going to, to land on him? Exactly. The fact that the animal wrangler was going to put it there. Right. <laughs> One quote I forgot to add. Dr. No runs a place like a concentration camp. Oh, really? Is he gassing Jamaicans who short pour his rum punches or red stripes? Harsh term to use, I think, but okay. To live in a world where women constantly ask Bond to go to dinner and then eventually bang, although 50% of these women usually end up trying to murder him. What are the odds? 
Fun life, pretty, though. Pretty, Fun pretty life. good. I mean, most of the women in my life have tried to kill me at some point or another. Yeah, with divorce suits. <laughs> and I didn't alimony. have to pay any. No alimony. No okay. alimony. Who is your lawyer? Me. In some of these head-on shots of Bond driving, they don't even pretend that he's in a front of a screen. His hair doesn't move except for one scene because I go, he's driving 55 miles an hour and that shit is lacquered on because he's not moving. There's no way. That hairpiece is firmly, has Gorilla Glue, Crazy Glue, whatever you want. Uh, we'll be a sponsor for you kind of glue, whatever it is. If I hear underneath the mango tree one more goddamn time, it is because I'm in Guantanamo Bay for terrorist activity. Because <laughs> that song is torture. For 60 years now, Ursula Andress coming out of the water has been fueling boners. Well done, ma'am. Well done. I have one page of notes that's just Ursula Andress. Right. And I love how they recreated that with uh, Halle Berry, who did, wor did work for her. And then yeah. they tried with that with Daniel Craig in Casino Royale. Mm. Did anyone expect Honey Ryder to drop some serious exposition of being a rape victim and then killing her attacker? No, I did. That was a, it's a ballsy move, but all right. Good on her for getting back. What, but then she asked, should I have not done that? Yeah. Was that like an Urkel moment for her? Yeah. And, and, and well, don't make a habit of it. So... Bond, who knows better, fires a Walther PPK at a tank. He takes out a headlight. Good. That's going to stop <laughs> a tank and a flamethrower. It and was then, a dragon, though. Yeah. And then Quarrel is shooting using a revolver. And when that tank gets really close, Quarrel, Quarrel excuse me, doesn't run away from the flamethrower and then gets turned into jerk beef. Come on. You see this tank roll up on you and then he doesn't move. Ah. <sighs> Let me, get, let me get this straight, fellas. A car wash on humans gets rid of radioactivity. Good to know. Time <laughs> to go to vacation in Chernobyl now. Where did the bathrobes and slippers, like they just have these nice bathrobes and slippers hanging around? Right. Sean Connery's a fantastic actor, but when he passed out on drugs or in that coffee, that's like watching someone in experimental theater do Macbeth. <laughs> So it's such exaggerated movements for someone when passing out. Have you ever seen someone pass out? It's a lot more graceful and a lot more subtle. He's not, he's having a seizure while passing out. <laughs> Honey Ryder did it best and cheap mom. Sure. Hey, how does James Bond get in the bed after passing out on the floor? Dr. Knows Metal Claw. Yeah. <laughs> You're right, AC. This, the, the flow is great with the suspense with Dr. No, though you don't see him for a while. The minute they get on that island, the flow has now ebbed. This pace came to a grinding halt when they got the crab key. Uh, the white guy playing Dr. No, not looking very Chinese in their best efforts. They couldn't get the guy who played David Lopan from Big Trouble in Little China. For Christ's sakes, he was in Chinatown a few years later. I'm sure he was available. Was he, was he German in the book? Half German, half Asian? Yes. Or is that just what they oh, okay. I, I, I didn't read the book. I haven't read any James Bond books. I'm wondering if I should. When Dr. No is giving his origin story, it sounds like he's making up a Mad Libs as he goes along. Bond crawling through that tunnel when he escapes his room takes way too oh, long. Oh, seriously. Drags. I forgot how boring of a villain Dr. No is. We get him for 15 minutes. There's hardly any memorable moments. And he goes out like Boba Fett did, a true bitch. 
He's all tell and no show. There's nothing about that guy that strikes fear except his voice in the entire film. This film has no danger, no real danger. And Dr. No, the most boring backstory I've ever heard. Yes, it's the origin of Spectre. Cool. We talk about it for two seconds and forget about it. He has metal claws for hands, but then big deal. So do people who got in industrial accidents. Nothing (laughs) is done with these things. The overall plot, no one talked about this. This plot is murky. Crab Key is doing radioactive stuff to do exactly what with space shuttles at Cape Canaveral. Did you guys know what the whole point of that was? I had to Google. Be honest. Did you know, Brad? No, I had no, no clue. Seriously, I, I had to look up to clarify. I'd be like, why is this such a dastardly plan? Because you're, you're stopping a rocket launch for a bit, I guess. <laughs> to disrupt the Project Mercury space launch with an atomic-powered radio beam. I've seen this movie. I own this movie. I've never grasped that that was the whole overall uh, or, you know, world domination <laughs> plot in this film that was that was just again murky muddled and they danced right over it how boring was that they do say synchronized radio beam for top link at least five times right what does that they never explain what it does yeah all of us non-space engineers what the fuck is happening (laughs) bond unties the rope from the boat after waiting to be rescued so he can bang honey rider again and this of course starting the reoccurring trope in every bond film that got hacky you know they'd be in the boat they'd have the parachute open or they'd have the little canopy fly open so they couldn't see what's going on that's one thing i go oh we're gonna beat that drum again as i've said before i own this film i've seen this a ton of times this has lost a lot on the fastball i i started watching bond films when the tbs marathons would go down and, and i love that's how i got into these uh, i don't know which was the first one i've seen i gotta guess it's either this goldfinger thunderball war nope from russia with love were the first ones i've seen i've again this is one of the, it's a 60 year old film. I get it. So you're going to have to grade on the curve. Again, some of the, the themes you had mentioned before, Brad, you're right. Wouldn't fly today. Can't penalize it now. This started one of the greatest franchises of all time. The first half starts out fine. I'm with it. I'm on board. Enough tensions being built up. Cool. But the second half of this film slams headfirst into a telephone pole at 70 miles an hour. That tension that was built up comes out like a leaky fart. The last 15 minutes are so anticlimactic. So what? They get captured. Nothing happens. So what? He has dinner with them. It's a Mad Libs. So what? So what? So I asked so what so many times. It's terrible. This film does not pass the remote test for me. And I love, people ask, what are your favorite Bond films? Thunderball, Goldfinger, and I said Dr. No was part of my top five. No longer. This does not pass the remote test for me. This lost a lot. Five and a half out of ten. I was really surprised at how much I th- this had just lost a lot. That second half really, really said, "Holy shit, this wasn't as good as I as I recall it." So there you have it. So and uh, the correct answer is the best. Sean Connery is the best James Bond, and that's laughable. You think Roger Moore is? He's so cute. That guy. You think the choreography is bad in that? Watch every Roger Moore James Bond. There is no chance that that guy's fighting anybody, especially Jaws in Moonraker and oh, the other on one. He was, he's not throwing a punch that's landing. That and he's just so cheeky in the glip. No, I'm not buying that. He's. You think he? You think Connery's a goof in this? You think that he's going to be a successful secret agent in other films? No, Roger Moore is the worst Bond film. Brosnan is my number three after um, Roger Craig. Of Roger Craig, he was the manager for the San Francisco Giants. Daniel Craig is the second best so, Bond. So film. you're saying Moore is worse than Lazenby or Dalton? Yes. 
You are out of your mind. Watch any of those Bond films that he's in, and they are all of them. Live and Let Die was the best, and by best, it'd be about a five. The rest are terrible. You're, you're saying Dalton's movie was better than than, than more. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't rewatched them in a long time. They weren't that bad. I haven't seen them in a long time. To be completely fair, I'm owed, I'm owed a rewatch, that's for sure. The, the Lazenby film was okay. It was good. He was stupid for not signing a contract and sticking around and being Bond. Right. But but Timothy Dalton is the worst Bond. I I have to rewatch and see. I'll I'll I'll, I'll be fair. I'll I'll rewatch it too. But as recent as what I have in the memory now, no dice. Critics, five star reviews. The first of the James Bond films. I trust there will be others. Way to go! Look at you, foreshadowing champion. You has the air of knowing exactly what it is up to, and that has not been common in British thrillers since the day Hitchcock took himself off to America. I don't know what he was trying to or she was trying to convey with that point. Do you, fellas? No, not at okay. all. Thought so. By the way, a lot of these uh, critics, it's like they want to be Trent Krim of the Independent and uh, Ted Lasso, but without the charm. Brilliant. They're writing reviews on Amazon. They're not. No, no, no. Amazing. These are the critics, five star, oh, not the, the Amazon. Yeah, okay. yeah. We're on critics. Brilliant lead actor and villain hold the film together despite a few flaws. The fact that it got so much right from the start is a real testament to the film series. The villain does not hold the film together. Bond does. No, he the wanted villain. to get that. That critic wanted to get invited to the next premiere. Yeah, does he have? Is he friends with Joseph Wiseman? I mean, he's a bottom five Bond villain. There's no one who that no one's going to argue that point, right? Thank you. If you've given up on the many iterations of the Bond franchise, it is worth check. It's worth shaking off all that adaptation decay and going back to the original, which is more fun and less sexist than many of the later films. This film was pretty sexist. About as perfect as a franchise starter as you can imagine, and certainly accomplishes the task of leaving you eagerly anticipating Bond's next adventure. Perfect. They had the balls to put that word in this review. Stop it. Critics, one-star reviews. The first half hour I took to be a fairly good spoof on a sex espionage film in general. Then Bond lands on Dr. No's Atomic Island, and science fiction takes over with lethal results in every sense of the word. And I wish Bond ended up on that island after the first half hour. We could have saved a lot of time. Yeah, right. The film geek in me wants to praise it, but the film critic in me wants to expose its flaws. I still have a soft spot for it, but if I'm being truly honest, it's kind of lackluster. I would agree. Sean Connery, actually put Scan Connery because I copy and paste, is such a a disappointingly wooden and boorish Bond that the script's touches of grim humor go for less than they need. No. (laughs) Amazon five-star reviews. Ian Fleming was a racist and filled his stories with stereotypes of non-whites. That was taken up by the early Bond films with Dr. No being the cunning and plotting Oriental. Orientals are rugs, not people. Actually, a white guy with makeup being a perfect example. Of course, there's got to be Bond girls, and that is personified by the impeccable Ursula Andress who, by the way, had her voice dubbed by a British actress because the director didn't think her accent would be understandable by a large audience. Together, this makes Dr. No not only the origins of the entire franchise, but one of the best releases as well. How does that go from that beginning of the review to a attaboy? Yeah, it started off with, this movie is racist, but you know what? Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, good on you. <laughs> but... 
Watching Connery's portrayal, I couldn't help but wish his films had enjoyed the superior effects and budgets of the Daniel Craig films. All respect to Qua- all respect to Craig, he's just not as suave, urbane, or capital C cool as Connery. I love the outlook outright terror in Connery's eyes as he waits for the spider to climb off of his shoulder. Topped by the revulsion, he shows that anyone could stoop so low after he killed the thing. The verbal duel with Dr. No is the best dialogue between Bond and any villain, including the Craig films. I guess he didn't see Goldfinger. <laughs> My wife and I are huge Sean Connery fans and James Bond fans. When the first James Bond film hit the theater, I can remember an acrimonious discussion with my future mother-in-law about how my future wife was not allowed to see, quote, those kind of movies. My wife and I were high school teenagers at the time. And that guy should have followed with, and now my mother-in-law is dead, and my wife can watch as many James Bond films as she wants to. <laughs> my grandson is in the fifth grade and just discovered James Bond. He asked to watch the very first James Bond movie, Dr. No, and I was delighted that Amazon.com Prime Video offered Dr. No as a selection. My grandson and I really enjoyed the movie. My Amazon Prime Video account has allowed my family to watch old movies and TV shows that they enjoy. See, even old people can't edit while writing out a review. Did you guys catch that too? I, I, I mean, I'm proud he was able to type it on the computer, though. I mean, that honestly, to me, that just sounds like someone uh, doing an Amazon Prime commercial. So, right. <laughs> the only thing missing was a Werther's original candy sucking in his mouth as he typed that out, or she typed that out. Yeah, I like Werther's. You are of a certain age. Sure. <laughs> Amazon one-star reviews. James Bond can kill any random crony, but a woman killing a rapist is frowned upon. Great. Rolling eyes emoji. Who's frowning on that? Well, he... he well, no, he, he tells her in it, well, I wouldn't make a habit of it. She asked him permission, should I have not done that? Um, and then he's like, well, I wouldn't make a habit of it. I don't... I, I, I think they mistook that joke where he's saying, don't kill me. Right. Yeah. Irony is not lost on the one-star Amazon reviewers. Yeah, I think the moment really hits home is when Bond has a tarantula crawling on his shoulder. Parentheses: You can see the glass separating the two, and then finally throws it on the floor. He lunges at it and hammers with his shoe five or six times as the orchestra dramatically accentuates each hit. Connery's hair flop all over the place. It's just a very disheveled moment for Bond. Very fifties. It just kills the whole movie. There's a lot wrong with that statement. That's what killed the movie for you? 50s. I mean, we're not even getting yeah. the decade right. He's right about the orchestra. That wasn't needed banging out the spider. I liked it, but after all, it's an old film. Smiley face emoji. This movie is extremely slow. The three by my song at the beginning. Can you believe that? The reason I gave this one star is because of... Wait. The reason I gave this one star is because of Sean Connery's superb acting. What kind of bizarre world are we living in, fellas? Yeah. I don't know. AC Rowe. <laughs> Did our new friend Brad Oman gut the sacred cow? I mean, I, I, I think Brad made really good, clear points. Um, again, it's it's the, the birthplace of a genre of films. Uh, I don't, I, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything he could have done to gut the cow. Um, and 60 years worth of filmmaking has shown that it it accomplished its goal um good points it's not my favorite film of all time uh but no i don't think he got it the cow wow bold statement i i, I give credit i will say this was a kind of a I, I, i'll give it a half gutting because and you, and you say no but 
the film kind of gutted itself the way it played out in the second half. That that as I said, it, it just took things down a notch for me. So AC says no, I say half. So whatever, let's just call it a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> cool enough. Brad Oman, thanks again for coming on. Check him out on Slash Film. AC Rowe, he'd love to tell you what he's up to, but the NDAs tell him he can't do that. Otherwise, he'll be setting the rest of his life in court, paying court costs, and we don't want that. But for us at Gutting the Sacred Cow, we thank you all so much for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Aloha. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.